Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. We are here. We still have a conference final to discuss. Um, we'll, we'll definitely, I think we, we didn't get around to sort of doing a post-mortem on Vegas, uh, so we'll t- take care of that today. But, of course, we will start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, I, something interesting, and we are going on with baseball. We'll We'll talk about a few different things, but the first one that actually caught my eye today was they put out a schedule already for the Cactus League. And to me, it's like, how about you finish this season first, see what the virus is doing, and then maybe think about it for a month or two before you decide what you're going to do next time. You didn't even know what to do this time. It took them months and months and months to figure out what to do. Like, this is just like Rob Manfred is so tone deaf to everything that's going on, and that's proof of it. It's just – I don't know why you would put out that schedule. Okay, again, I don't think it's Manfred. I think it's the owners because I, but he I, has to guide the owners. No, 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 no. no, no. The, owners run, the owners run the show. No, but not to that degree. There yeah. has to be a point where he says to the owners, look, we have to sort of look what the other leagues are doing. We're kind of embarrassing here. So speaking of embarrassing, so and, and Jan and I talked about this offline. So they had to redo their list now of the teams that they're going to kill next year in minor league baseball, because a, there wasn't any minor leagues this year and B they probably found out there were some other things, other teams that killed themselves off that there's no bringing back. And, and so they did that. And like Jan and I noticed that Binghamton was on the list, Binghamton, New York. And I want to say they probably had baseball there 30, 40 years. The fact that they took that off in favor of like Syracuse, where the Wilpons just dumped money into a year ago and probably didn't get much out of it just shows you all you need to know about minor league baseball and the Mets. There's a lot of good or, you know, organizations that are going to get killed in this off season and never come back. And oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of organizations that have gotten killed already because of the pandemic, right? Yeah. All of them have scrambled to come up with, I will call that interesting alternatives or marketing opportunities to keep it going. Right. So there's been some where they've actually had their chefs cooking Right. They've had people outdoors at the ballpark eating and they've tried that as an option. Look, and that's what the minor leagues is, right? So we're I'm fortunate. There's independent league baseball half an hour from my house. Have I have I utilized it or not? No, but it's the Long Island Ducks, beautiful park, fits people. I mean, there's names that everybody's heard of because it's independent league baseball. Um, they were hoping to have a season and it got canceled, right? I've gone to see the Somerset Patriots down by you guys in Jersey who are in the same league. It's you know, minor league baseball is a you know, I hate to say it, but it is a staple because there are people who, for lack of a major league team in their area, have adopted the players and the franchises that are there. And in essence, you're pulling the plug out from under them. And granted, they're franchisees, they're owned by the individuals. But please don't go with the rhetoric or the narrative that Major League Baseball couldn't support it or they needed to upgrade facilities. No offense. You've been printing money hand over fist for years. Here's about reinvesting part of it back into the thing that's the feeder system for everybody that comes up. The weird thing is, too, with the Somerset Patriots, now the Yankees are looking to making that one of their locations, and that makes no sense to me because they already have Trenton. I get it'll be a different league, but you are going to pull from a lot of the same fans, and I, I believe if they start up Somerset, it will hurt Trenton's business. You also have – well, you have Staten Island, which is where – Well, they're dead. Yeah, Brooklyn. Staten Island's dead. Right. Well, again – Right, so the rumor is that Binghamton may end up in Brooklyn, right? Which is part of what part of what the rumor is. Right. You, you, but you're cutting out. Look, the New York Penn League is a good league. I mean, it's been a, it's been it a, it's been a league. It's been a league for years. You'd see a lot of first round draft picks go there as opposed to other places in rookie league, and it's it's a league that's that's existed for years. Now, granted, 
not that you shouldn't make changes, but you're, you're getting rid of teams that don't necessarily need to be gotten rid of because you have a short-sighted mentality in terms of how you're supposed to fill the minor leagues down the road and who's supposed to own it and what, what the revenue is supposed to be. Like I said, pour money back into your feeder and your infrastructure system and it will pay off down the road. So yeah, one more thing. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I knew that you know, like a team team like the Yankees wouldn't be affected as much as teams that are more fiscally responsible. But when it's when a team has multiple high A rookie A, they they were going to eliminate those those franchises. I mean, sure. and it, with the with the Mets, it's like okay, yeah, they poured money into Syracuse. Syracuse used to be a Triple A franchise with the with the Blue Jays that right. moved to Buffalo. So I think there, and I'm not saying that there isn't a tradition of, of baseball in Binghamton, but I, did they invest money in a new stadium or anything like that in Binghamton? No, the stadium's beautiful. Like, you don't need to. And, and you're also drawing from the college for several of right. the months, right? You, you have an immediate fan base there. The, the Binghamton Mets, the B-Mets have been known. Like, for example, the Mets had it in, um, in Tidewater. That's right. where, you know, that's where David Wright became a fan of the Mets because he's right. from the area in Virginia. You had right. all those players, you had Zimmerman, you had Upton. They, they saw these players there, which built up their love for baseball. You now completely got rid of a team there, which yeah. didn't make sense. Now you've gone to Syracuse. Look, Tor Toronto going to Buffalo made a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. Syracuse is because the moron who are the Mets got rid of Tidewater and said, oh, let's move to Las Vegas. Yeah. Right. For, no, for no. two years. I mean, right. the yeah, other no. thing about Binghamton is, Mike, it does have a picturesque backdrop, maybe one of the best in minor league baseball. Right. But here's the last thing. So the last thing about, about Manfred is on, on all places, of all places, Hofstra Radio, he comes out and says, hey, by the way, um, we're going to have fans in for, you know, the LCS and the World Series. And when he mentioned that he's going to have teams play in California, again, I, I kind of think to myself – I get he's thinking about warmer weather. Yeah. I also don't get that he's thinking the air quality sucks and there's major fires going on there now and you don't know when that's going to end. Why in the world are you going to have players play over there? Well, it's here, stupid. From what I understand, I didn't understand the full scope of the of the playoff format. Apparently, the whatever for the first round uh, will be whoever is the higher seed in the playoffs will be the host. So say it's the Yankees versus the Blue Jays, they would all three games would be in New York. Right. Uh, wouldn't go back and forth. And then uh, if it gets down to the final four in each in each uh, in each uh, league, it will be in uh, Texas, not just Dallas or not just Houston. Ireland. But Dallas and Houston, or Arlington right. and Houston right. in one league, and I think San Diego, San and, Diego and LA. Right now, I'm sorry, and I know it's been mostly forgotten when it comes to this season because of COVID, because of everything right now. But how in good God's name are you rewarding the city of Houston and that friggin' franchise right. and giving them playoff games when they are the biggest? Yeah. You're, you're, you're doing it because they can be in the bubble, because it is a dome stadium, because what what you okay? First of all, you want to rip the organization? That's fine. I'm not sure you can rip the city because of what the no, team he's in not that ripping city the city. He's ripping the oh, organization. Again, he's doing it because there's there's a dome in that location, and you don't have to worry but about they don't deserve to profit else. off of this, Jan. They don't. They don't I, I, I agree with you, but but again, location wise, that's why they did it. First of all, it's you can go from Arlington to Houston. It's not that huge of a trip to begin with. And you no. have two dome stadiums. And you have two dome stadiums that are there in, in the same relative vicinity. 
Well, I, I see. I thought that they were using the reason they chose Arlington was because they were going to use the old ball, ballpark in Arlington and the new ballpark. But apparently, I think guess they're only using the new one, and then they were using Houston uh, as well. I mean, they should not be rewarded, and this is they should. I I agree with that, I, and I would not rip the city. I mean, I I lived I'm there. Not so. I'm not ripping. The, I mean, no, I, we're ripping the franchise, and and that's that's fine. And, and, and you have you have every right to do so. Look. You're right also on the L.A. and San Diego, right? I guess you probably would have been better to say tentative depending on what right. location and then say, hey, if we need an alternate, here's what we're going to. You could probably have every probably you can probably almost try to have everybody down in Texas if right. we need an alternate. Right. right. Or you could try Arizona. You yeah. can play the games. You can play yeah. the games because there's a dome stadium there also. I mean, right. the, te the temperatures in Arizona in September are more or more mild. Right, but yeah, you're playing I mean, indoors anyway, so who cares? It just seemed weird that they're going to choose out there, and we already know that there's a problem with air quality. Well, the thing is that most and of the – stadiums aren't domed. Most of the problem with, problem with air quality is in Northern California blowing up to Oregon and Washington. In Southern California, it's not as bad, but you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Given what we've seen in Southern California with the fires in the past. Right. Right. All right. Let's, let's get hockey? started here. Um, I'll hold off on talking about the, the game last night and talk about uh, uh, the, the signing from yesterday. We'll get started with that. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. I'm Jan Levine, and Michael Jello didn't have to look at a calendar to get the day right. <laughs> That's a total rip on Eck. Poor Eck. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Uh, and I'm you the blood there, Jan. I didn't. I, I, I was I wrong? No. Okay. And I'm the cal calendar attuned Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with this. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about Islanders uh, Lightning uh, when Eck joins the show in a few minutes. Um, big signing yesterday, uh, and I think sort of an indicator of where things are going financially in the league. Uh, Jonas Brodeen, who's been a longtime Minnesota, you know, first-round pick of the Wild, longtime Wild player, um, solid two-way defenseman, not particularly you know uh, great offensively, but adequate, but mostly a two-way defenseman, very responsible defensively. Uh, he signs a seven-year extension yesterday. He's got a year left in his contract, making about $4.1 million. It's around the same amount that uh, uh, that um, uh, for uh, Edmonton, uh, not uh, – Nurse Adam Larson, Adam Larson, oh, Larson. Okay. yeah, the um, same amount that Larson's making, and I think he's a better defenseman than Larson. But now he's going to be making six million AAV over seven years, no signing bonuses in this deal. And Russ, if you look at this contract, I think it's reflective of the new normal when it comes to the, the league in terms of salaries because, uh, if he hits free agency next year, I think probably the realization from Brodeen's agent is that he's probably not going to get, he may get 6 million, but he's not going to get term and he gets the term with the team that he's been with, but it's very friendly. It's not signing bonus. It's all regular salary and the regular salary is subject to the 20% escrow or whatever escrow is going to be. And I, this is this type of deal especially for players who want to stay in the, with the teams that they're at right now, it, it's a, it's a home. I think it's a home run for the wild. Yeah, it is. Cause I also feel like he, he's probably being underutilized a little cause he averages just over 20, 21 minutes. He right. probably could take away some of those minutes from Suter or if they were to trade Dumba, he right. could take 
take some more of those minutes. So he has some room to grow. He's 27, so that's good. He's always among the top shot blockers in the league. Very few turnovers. Like, no, this is this is a really good signing. Guy's a good puck mover. He eats minutes. Mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. The, um, the signing bonus part, though, is the part that's going to come back and haunt the players, though, because, you know, the players always want to say, hey, um, you know, we don't like escrow. We don't like this. We don't like that. Right. And at the end of the day, the owners are going to be like, hey, um, we're not really making money right now. So your signing bonuses aren't going to happen on your next deals, just so you know. Now, Jan, I think, and Mac, we're talking about the Brodeen contract because we wanted to save the game for, for yeah, you. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, Jan, the thing I, that immediately sprung to mind, and it wasn't an exclusive thought on my my mind because uh, you know a number of people started talking about the same thing. You've got Spurgeon. You've signed to a long-term extension. You've got five more years of Ryan Suter, and I believe he has a no-move clause. Now you've signed Brodeen, the guy who has the shortest term is Dumba, and they can only protect three defensemen unless they protect eight skaters in the expansion draft next June. To my mind, I think Dumba's going to get traded. What do you thought? What are your thoughts? If you're going to go with the guy with the lowest term in terms of number of years, yeah. I mean, he may, he makes sense. Um, I mean, you, you can't really expose the others. Um, of course, A, depends on the no movement clause for all of them, and that's kind of to be a factor. I believe Suter has one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, you, you don't necessarily have to go, though. If I remember correctly, you don't have to go 7-3-1, and one, though, directly. right? You have no, a second go, option. You can go 8-1. Yeah. 8-1. Yeah. Eight skaters and one. The problem is they have a bunch of guys with, I think, no movement clauses also in, in, in their deals that create some difficulty. I think Parisi has to be protected. If remember, Zuccarello has to be protected. It's right. a fairly decent list of players that yeah. need to be protected. Um, look, you go if you go to war with those four top four defensemen, it's a pretty darn good top four, yeah. respect, irrespective of whether or not you're going to make another move or not. But the no movement clauses are clearly going to be the, the driving factor as yeah. to what direction you're going to go in. Yeah, Spurgeon, Suter, Brodeen all have no move clauses, and you're right, Parise and Zuccarello. Right, so, so that's five right there. Yeah. The other question is, you'd have to look to see, okay, who else? Who else would they install? You don't have to protect because the expired. I mean, you have a. So right. if you look at the way their team is constructed right now, Parise signed through 24-25, Zuccarello signed through 23-24, Rask, who I think they're gonna expose because it's Victor Rask. Oh yeah, now, no, they're when, you get, when you get beyond that, right? You're going to probably protect Fiala because he's an RFA. You're going to try to resign him. Donato, you're going to try to resign, right? Yeah, he'll be protected too. Uh, Capra's off because of the way his deal works. So though he's, he's exempt. Rust, that's he's exempt. Year two. He should be exempt, shouldn't he? Yeah, he's exempt. Yeah. Right? So then you have Spurgeon, Suter, Dumba, Brodeen. Dubnik's in the UFA, but you're going to protect Stalock and you're going to have to find sign somebody else. They could actually go with 8-1, with Mike. There is a possibility based upon the they way could. it lines up. You could go 8-1 depending on who else you protect and how else you have to protect them. Yeah, if you protect – well, if you protect Fiala and uh, I'd say like an Erickson – Donato probably. Uh, Donato, I think. Erickson or Donato or Cunnan, probably Cunnan. Cunnan, yeah. And you, you, could go, you could go with eight. Now, the thing is you risk losing a Greenway or you risk losing uh, an Erickson Act. risks, right? So – they either if they don't move Dumba, that's the strategy in which they're gonna have to go. And unless the viewpoint is is because I don't think I don't know if I don't think Spurgeon has an NMC, you could say no, he, he, yeah, does. he does. Okay, so you you're kind of boxed yourself in the corner there, right? So you, you're probably gonna have to go Dumba, but look, Dumba's gonna bring a healthy return if based upon what you saw in the playoffs, that's the, the Dumba you're gonna see, which was the Dumba we saw two years ago as opposed to the guy this year. 
who right. had some difficulties during the season. Now, Ak, I saw something yesterday, and I don't know if it was based on rumor or if it was just based on uh, a wishful thinking on the part of uh, somebody from TSN out of Vancouver. But if you think about this as a one-for-one -one deal, it makes a ton of sense. Okay. And the fact that the, the Canucks are needing to upgrade their blue line and probably don't want to get into a bidding war and free agency, and they have a, a excess of talented offensive forwards, Besser – for Dumba and Besser is you know from the from Minnesota and has a contract around the same amount as Dumba for I think another year or two and that that deal makes a ton of sense I don't know I mean um I like Dumba but I don't think he's in Brock Besser's category oh I I do I mean he's a power I, I, don't, guy. I, don't, I mean a lot of people do I just I don't I, I just don't I don't um Go ahead, Russ, explain. Why no, I do. I, I mean, he's a power play guy. He's a physical guy. He's actually, last couple of years, been really good. Pretty much what I thought he would be. Like, he's turning into that guy. I get Besser's a higher-end goal-scoring type. Right. But at the end of the day, what what could hold this up is Vancouver's going to have to re-sign Dumba, and they're, they're not going to want to pay market value in a couple of years. Right. They've got three years. They've got, well, the they got three Besser, years, though, if they make that deal, right? So right. Yeah, they have three years. Besser's two more years at 587, and okay. Dumba's three more years at six. Oh, three. I thought you said two. Okay. Oh, three. For, for three, I think they would do it. Yeah. Plus, by that point in time, the cap will expect to rise a little bit at the mm -hmm. end of those three years, right? You're flat two years, you go up a million the next year, and then you may have a rise the year after that, depending yeah. on what revenue Right. Are. It's possible. I mean, I, I, just, I think that – I think that – Besser is just too important of a player for them in 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 Vancouver to make that move. I don't know if he is anymore, and that's not to say he's not a great player because I love Brock yeah. Besser, but I I do see this shift where I'm not sure they feel that same way around about him, and it might be because of the injuries. And it could be because for I think sure. they, they want to they they probably want to re-sign to Foley because the way the way Toffoli played there and probably think they can get to Foley for less than they're paying Besser right now. Now don't get me wrong, Besser's 23 years old and I think more yeah. talented than 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 uh uh than Toffoli, but I, I do think that they see in terms of the way the team is constructed, they've got those good young offensive players already on the roster in Pedersen and and you know, guys, oh, is it Hoaglander and a few others that they? Yeah, Neil Neil yeah. Hoaglander is real good. Yeah, I mean, they see the they see the young offensive talent coming there, and maybe they think they can. It's a luxury that they can afford to give up to improve their defense because their defense, you know, with Tanev leaving, with Edler probably one year away from retirement. I'll tell you what, too, um, from the Vancouver standpoint, yeah, if, if you put Dumba back there, he'll get back to fifty points. Like, there's yeah. no question in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a. He's. I mean, he he's got a halitzer of a shot. I mean, there's a bunch of teams. There's a, there's a lot of teams. Obviously, that are interested in him, right? So he's not. Well, I. I, I, I has interest out there, and he really I, does. I, he's not I, I think Toronto would be among those teams because he's a top four right hand shot defenseman. They are. And and if if they if they are, then the logical uh, the logical connection there is Neilander because the Neilander makes a little more than Dumba, and we know that Minnesota. You know, their Kaprizov is coming, but. Koivu is probably not coming back. And offensively, I think that they need a centerpiece type guy that Nylander could be there. This is yeah. what Eck will know. If I remember correctly, and I'm not sure, it seems like when Guerin was with Pittsburgh, they didn't want Nylander. I think they kind of looked at it and didn't want him when he was holding out. Eck, what, what was your feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, there was a bet. It was obviously, I mean, Guerin had, you know, 
I, I know Pittsburgh had issues, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to jump on it and say that Garen was part of that yet. Um, I haven't really heard that that he was. I mean, obviously he's he's there at the time, but not running the show. Right. Uh, Garen has shown a lot of a uh, a lot of really good initiative, I think, on seeing things. And you know, that was a while ago. I mean, it's possible. I think Besser's a way better fit for them than Nylander. If you're going to go between the two of them, I'm not saying you. You know, I would. I well, think they would go for Bessler more than they quicker than they go for Nylander. You've got to figure. You got to figure this though. The the, the weak area for. Uh, for the Wild right now is up the middle with Koivu, likely not back. Um, you know, Victor Rask has been a right. disaster since they traded for him. Nylander can play center. Is he a, is is he a, a an NHL center? Yes. Is he a good NHL center? Maybe, maybe not. But he's offensively good enough as a playmaker that for a team like Minnesota, who's got a hole there, he could be their number one or number two center in a, as a stopgap. Um, but I mean, you know, I've heard Nugent Hopkins involved in Dumba, in, in Dumba trade. Um, not like straight up Nugent Hopkins for Dumba, but I've heard that that, that name mentioned at Edmonton. Now I think that the only know, thing is, is they're going to have to sign Nugent Hopkins. Right. 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 I mean, the issue here, the issue that's of course that signing is, is a huge issue, but the other issue here is, um, you know, moving him within, Within the conference, which I think they'd rather not do. I think that's one. Yeah, that makes sense. Give Toronto an advantage over that, you know. And I'm not, you know, he's not like, you know, you're not talking about Wayne Gretzky here, but you know, you're talking about a player that you don't want to necessarily move in your conference. He's going to be a good player. Now, I mean, Ottawa, too- Ottawa is interested in him too. You know, I don't know what Ottawa could offer up, but I think Ottawa could offer up some younger players that would help them salary cap wise. Um, yeah, um, like, and and you know, or and or draft picks, you know, because if Minnesota is looking to get out of under the salary cap to move, do you think? Do you think, do you think Philadelphia makes any sense for Dumba? No, I don't. I think yeah, they're looking forward all the way. Yeah, I I think because I mean, of the way their defense is sort of shaping up, and it's mainly young. I think that if if Fletcher goes back to Dumba, then all those stories about Fletcher saving Dumba and basically putting all giving all those guys to free for free to Vegas will follow him. And especially with another draft with another expansion draft coming up, I think yeah. Fletcher's going to want to stay away from that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so too. I, I think, I think, I that, think there's I, some baggage there and I think he should stay away from it. Not yeah. that Dumba wouldn't be a good fit there, but again, the he's, a good fit is, anywhere. I mean, he's, he's not going to be your top power play guy. Right. And you don't want Dumba unless he's your top power play guy, honestly. Yeah, and Philly, you have that kind of filled up. Dumba, Gostaspear type of D. I mean, on top of no, yeah. I don't think I don't think Garen would want any part of Gostaspear. Not sure about that. I mean, there's um, no, I, I mean, I have talked to. He's got all the USA hockey. USA hockey has a little bit of a different opinion on Gostaspear. Okay, maybe USA hockey does, but from what I see that that Garen has liked and has on the blue line, everybody. Does their fair share of physical work, and Gostaspear does none of that. Let's just say that the the sweetener, that would be the issue. I think. Yeah, I get that. Let's just say that the sweetener in that deal on top of Gostaspear is going to have to be something really good. Yeah, I mean, it would oh, have yeah. To sure. it, would have, it would have to be a Farabee or you know, like somebody that they don't particularly want to give up. But it had somebody. And some really, team will take a chance on Gostaspear, like because X said he's a, he's a fast skating defenseman. But the only issue is, besides his shot, you know, missing the net more than you'd like. The confidence isn't there when he gets into the offensive zone anymore. He's not as confident as he once was, and and that's a problem. That I don't know how quickly he'll get that back. I could really see Florida going after Gossespierre in a big mm-hmm. way, um, and not just because he's. And usually, I'm like against you know signing a guy just because they're from the area or whatever. Right. But I think in a, in, a, in Florida's case, it's a it would be a really strong PR move, um, you know, and just in general, like to get there. You know, he's he's the, he is the kind of kid that 
I think if you gave him the right start and the confidence again, he could be he could be effective for you. And I, I just don't know what the fit is in terms of what would come back. Unless I, mean, I, don't think, I, I think the Flyers aren't going to get as much like in terms of actual known value. That mm -hmm. I think it's going to be more in terms of you I'll know. I'll tell progress. you. I'll give you an example, Mike. Maybe they give him Owen Tippett and they say, "All right, you know what? We're not. He's not in our plans." We'll give you Owen Tippett. And I think the Flyers would take it because Owen Tippett has a hell of a shot. And yeah. he's, he would get an opportunity on the bottom six with the Flyers. Yeah. And you never know. And Zito's not married to him because he didn't draft right. him. It's a previous. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the seeing the confidence and seeing, you know, the positivity and, you know, and then you make him part of your community outreach. Gus Sphere likes that kind of stuff. Like you could, he needs, Gus Sphere needs to be more involved. Like the thing with the Philadelphia, I felt like he got, you know, the, he was better when he was, when he was like a focal point and when he was more involved. Um, and he can be a positive. The thing about his attitude is when he's when he's confident, he's actually a very positive locker room influence. Which, when he's not confident, he's not at all. So he, there are players like that, but he's one of those guys. And I think that, you know, I that, I do think there's hope for Gaspier out there. I, I don't. I do think it has to be someplace else besides Philadelphia. I do. I definitely agree with that. But um, I think there's hope for that. Um, just I want to talk about just for fast guys. We've talked about it before, and sure. One of the reasons I was one of the reasons I was late getting into this show today was um, I was talking to two people about him trying to come up with you know what the deal is you know and and where, what the rangers because i mean i hear all read all different kinds of reports you know and um I want, what, what are your opinions on this again first we'll start with you first and jesper fast well i mean i've been a big proponent of bringing him back right the problem's yeah. going to be salary i mean that's yeah, kind yeah. of the, the end all and be all right so three years he made 1.85 million dollars last year he's probably going to yeah. get somewhere in the 2.5 to 3 million dollar this year even in a flat cap the problem yeah. is with all the other guys they have to bring back, especially with Lundqvist, not, they have to figure out what they're doing with Lundqvist. With, with him apparently not interested in retiring, which means you're either buying him out, which does, only saves you enough money to re-sign Alexander Gordiev, or you're going to have to try to eat half the contract, which only frees up an additional million dollars worth of room. You're not going to have a ton of room, especially yeah. depending on what you do with D'Angelo and with the with Strom and with the, with, um, with the other guys you have on your team you have to try to re-sign. Brandon Lemieux, which isn't going to do a ton of money. So I would love Fastback. I mean, I know, the, yeah. I know you posted a couple of things. A team I'd, I'd look out for, which had been rumored for him, is Nashville, which yeah. has been a team that supposedly has had substantive interest in him in the past. But yeah. I'm one of those guys. Fast, is, fast, I hate to refer to it, is the, the Rangers version of the Swedish version of a Swiss Army knife, right? You can put him up and down the line. Yeah, the beginning I, of the I like second him. Fourth yeah. line. He's better suited on the third and fourth line, better suited in the checker line role. He can score. Russ has talked about in the past how in the in, he can you know, play the in power play overseas too, and in the minors he played the power play. He's a guy also who's a mainstay on your penalty kill. He fills up and down the lineup. He's, he's a guy you don't realize how valuable he is until he's no longer there. The yeah. problem is is in a flat cap with a lack of available room, he may get squeezed out based upon depending on who else they bring back. Yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say it like this, Zach. I, I think Fast is to the Rangers like Kazikas is to the Islanders, and I don't think the Rangers can afford to lose Fast. I think they should lose Ryan Strom because I think Ryan Strom lived off of Panarin, and, and I would just make a trade yeah. for that. Ryan Strom is a tradable commodity. Trade him while his value is highest it's ever going to be, but bring back Fast because the penalty killing – he can fill in anywhere. And like I said, he can play the power play. He's loved in the locker room. He probably can give you more than what we're even seeing because a lot of times yeah. he doesn't even get used to line mates. He's changing lines so frequently. So well, I, I, that's I really should bring him back. Reggie, you kind of nailed it there because I, there's, a, there's a lot more positivity about this guy around the league. Oh, yeah. 
then people realize. And, you know, when you talk around, like, you know, and you're talking about UFAs, I can't tell you how many people have said, well, you know, the guy you're not talking about enough, who people really need to, is, is, is Jesper Fast. And I'm like, well, I see him as a third liner, like, kind of like what you, you're saying, Jan, like an ideal third liner. Like, yeah, no, we kind of see him as like a second liner. And well, we see, and we see, and, you know, it could be. Ability well, the, the, the first thing you do if you're Jeff Gorton is buy out the final year of Brendan Smith's deal. Yep. Uh, where you save a one where you save one point five million dollars on the cap with the buyout, and that's probably I I don't know sixty percent of what you'd have to pay yeah. cost on a new deal, and then you don't have any problems the following year when Lundquist and Stahl's contract expires. So I mean, it, it, right now it's simply nice. a question of how you fit in everything this year with the RFAs that you have. See, that's I, the other thing, Dan. If you're the GM of the Rangers now, or Russ, you know, you guys are co-GMs, and I come to you and I tell, and I'm I'm just for fast agent, and I'm telling you that. I have a team out there that's willing to give him four million a year for three years. You're probably letting him walk. You're probably letting him walk, right? Yeah, because in my opinion, that's probably a little overvalued where he should be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ideally, you'd want three. I don't. I still don't think they should walk from him because, again, I do think they are going to have a harder time filling his role than a lot of other roles because we saw we saw what they look like without him. Like we we did see while and you know and. Maybe the coach made too much out of it, but even Quinn knows his worth. It really it, it, that got around, you know, like that. Of course, it got around because that was a big statement. They were making a big deal of it. They should, in a way that they think Quinn kind of messed up there in a way, um, because you know when 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 other people see a coach, you know, that big on a player, you know, in, in a situation like that's a UFA like this, like I, I think that three teams I've heard that will drive his price up: Montreal, Nashville, like you mentioned, and Philadelphia. And I was surprised to hear Philadelphia would drive his price up, but you know that that drive his price up. But would they take him? Like get in the, he's going to get to four million a year, I think. Because no, he's not. Team. No, that's what they're saying. I mean, I, I don't I, think he will. Not in this market. I don't think he will. I, I think, think I have heard that Montreal is willing to go to four million a year for him. Um, Montreal won't, won't even go four million a year for. No, they won't do that. I mean, see again. If that is if that is the truth, that is the truth. That's another example of mismanagement on the part of, part of Mark Bergevin. We can right. judge that all you want to, but it is what it is. What no, no, I'm yeah. sure that's what you're hearing, but I don't. Until I see it signed, I don't believe it. Yeah, I'm not disputing the report. I'm disputing the sanity because I mean, right. if they're going no, out, I mean, that's what we're here for. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. That's the job of our show is to dispute the sanity. <laughs> I'm 100 exactly. behind you there. Yeah, that's I why. Mean, that's why I'm bringing it up the way I'm bringing it up because you know, like I know you, we're talking like Russ. You're like saying, "Hey, you still should probably maybe keep it if they get to four million. Act. Tell me how many forwards are making four million or more on the Montreal Canadiens currently. I, I don't even know. You know, two. And I, but all, two. All we, two. Oh, yeah, and all we know is, I mean, obviously Montreal. That's where they're. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to two guys. Why in the world are they going to pick up a guy now and make him their third highest paid forward? They're not going to do it. Third highest paid forward as they stand now. They're balking at at uh, renegotiating a contract with Max Domi when Max Domi scored seventy points last year. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, they're going to. I mean, they're, they're, they're see, they they at it, but that that's that's a negotiation. This, I mean, that's, this, is, this is the this is the issue, and and I think Jesper Fast is the poster boy for sort of the tweener forward. Not you know he's not a star, but he's a really good player. He's a th second, third line guy. And we know with the cap staying flat at 81.5 for the next year to two to maybe three years, that's the area of these teams that's getting squeezed. You're not going to see these guys getting long-term deals making three million, three and a half million. They're either going to take a one-year deal like that or they're going to take less to stay where they are. So I, 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 I'll go one further. 
I'll, I'll go one further. Yeah. If you pay fast four, you have now raised the price for yourself yeah. on Gallagher and Tatar. You have just killed. They 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 would be the happiest guys on earth if they brought in fast for four because of the kind of numbers they put up and what they do. Boy, they would hand out a lot of raises, right? I mean, when you sit there and you say, yeah, he's got, he's got two players, you know, at that now. Yeah, they're not going to have two players at that soon. I mean, that and no, more, no team in the NHL, especially even especially a team of that stature stays with and, that kind of salary structure. And more, more than likely, if Montreal is going to bring – Montreal will end up trading for existing contracts rather than bidding in free agency for guys like Fast because, you know, they could be sending players out to bring those players in and there's cost certainty there. They don't want to get into a bidding war, especially for a player. And I like Fast. I think he's a very effective, you know, like I said, second, third line guy who can penalty kill. Russ, I think he thinks he can play the power play. You don't the last thing that the Canadians want to do is bid four million bucks on a guy who's a middle of the road player. I do want to answer Joe Morello because he said yeah. Fast is not Casey Kazikas. I not even close. I don't watch. Go ask Coach Quinn. See what he yeah. thinks. Yeah, I actually would. I actually like Fast better, to be honest. Um, I mean, it, it, I like both of them a ton. I'm I like not, them both. I mean, I'm not gonna say, any, but if I had to, if I was just, you know, in a, in a, if I was picking sides and I had my team to pick, I actually would think Fast has a little bit more. I mean, Kazikas might do some things a little bit better, but I think Fast has a little bit. more. I think Kazikas is greasier, and I think Fast has a better offensive side. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, and, and they're two different. And, and, he's, and, and the way he plays, his positioning, and you know, penalty killing. There's certain things he does that are very, very good. Yeah, and that remind you a little bit of you know like your typical kind of like you know I don't know like raffle type player you know on the Flyers but yeah. not but but better you know, more offensive upside. Both teams Look, I, when I, they don't have the players lose something like when the Islanders don't yeah. have Kazikas they lose something when the Rangers don't have Fast they've lost something. Well, I, I raffle, I we saw yeah, it's like raffle. Yeah. They're two completely different style of players. First of all, I think offensively Fast has more offensive talent. Zeke yeah. brings more of a physical game that Fast doesn't yeah, yeah. have based upon yeah. his side I mean, style of play. But, They're both yeah. effective. Sezikis as a center clearly has some value as well. Look, I, look, you're talking to a guy who's loved Fast. I've been saying for years, yeah, I know, he's yeah. an underrated guy on that team. He's the guy who was a defensive yeah. ballast on the Panarin Strom line this year that enabled them to go a little bit, and they took off when that trio got put together, probably yeah. because Fast ended up covering for some of the defensive deficiencies right. that Strom still has, right? So. I've been one of those who wanted to bring him back. The problem is, is last year, as good of a job as Jeff Gordon's done, not moving Vladislav Nemesnikov before the before the yeah. season started and yeah. freeing up at least a million dollars more of room. It, now you are on, you were you would have been able to sign D'Angelo last year for probably a two year deal at a mil five a mil seven yeah. five, saving yourself four million dollars. So if you decide to keep him, that's the one piece of the puzzle. Where he screwed up last year. That oh no, he screwed up on the dead cap space too. That's a exactly. Here and here's, he here's the on the dead cap space. Well, who, that's wait, cap. what are we going to do about dead cap space? Who are you not going to? I mean, there's not much you could have done about that. See, here's Sean Kirk to, deal, Sean Kirk took less. You money didn't have to, to buy him out. You could have traded him. You who? did not have to buy him out. Who? Clearly. A lot Brad of teams would have nobody yeah. wanted nobody was paying him that kind of money. He's making a mill and a half. And you eat some of the money, but you don't have the dead cap space. They absolutely could have nobody hold wanted they, him at that price. You, no, at that price, yes. That's why I said you could eat some of that, but to have dead cap space is now doubly bad based on what the cap is like this year. That was a bad move. It was a bad move then. It's gonna be a bad move this year for yeah. him. Okay, one um, thing, do me a favor, funky. You can call me a ranger bias if you've ever read my blogs. I am probably the most yeah, I'm, guy I'm, there is. I'm, I'm not back to the end. I'm a ranger perspective. I also said I love Sezikis. Yeah. 
and that fourth line yeah. is really that third line. Different style of play, different style of talent. Right, but they mean the same thing to each team. Correct. That's my point. And what's Ezekiel's making? That's Three a good mil? question. I don't know. I'll, I'll check it. Hold on. Two seven five. Yeah, so um, is making is making three three five. Right, that's not four right. million a year. It's not and four million a year, but it's a contract that was signed. Center was also now, I mean, with a little bit of an increase because you're a center as opposed to a winger. Yeah, and you're also yeah you're looking and you're also looking yeah. at a contract that was signed then. You know, like right, right. This, a new contract's gonna. You know, I know flat cap is then, well, Chris, then as you said, you factored in the increase in the cap. Now you know right. for the next this year, the following year is flat, and you get a million dollar increase, which in essence is kind of flat. It's three yeah. years you know that you're not having a budge. Well, let's. Right. See, let's I'm going to ask Ant one more question. Into this, that that's like. Um, Hang on, let me ask Ant one more question because he's he's asking where is Chica going, Michael Cohen? I don't think Chica will be hired. No where. No Not for a while. Not yet, no. He's not getting a job this year. No, no. Um, this, and here's the thing: the bigger picture on this whole thing, right? And this is right now, as things are starting to come into focus for this free agent period. My head, you know, it's hard to wrap my head around all the. There's so many elements. Like I have more players on the rumor chart than I've ever had on the rumor chart right now. There's a lot of different things happening, and it's it's and it's not like we have like you know we have Taylor Hall out there who is you know a big player, but there's not. Most of these players are second, third liners, you know, and uh, that that's pretty common right now. And the interesting thing is, you really are looking at a free agent period of teams looking for three to four million dollar players. As opposed, you know, and and maybe two of them as opposed to one, you know, seven million dollar player like in the past. See, the, I, yeah. I I actually think that they're looking for players like middle of the middle of the roster players, but they're not going to be willing to pay them three or four million dollars. I mean, it depends what they have. I mean, some right. teams don't have it, but you know, but the idea here is like you're going to see play. You're going to see a lot more of these kind of difficult to understand you're going to see contracts that you're going to be like why is that guy getting two and not four and you're going to see contracts where you're going to say why is that guy getting four and not two there's a lot of the, okay. the, there's a lot of that kind of variable who likes who like it depends on how much like if montreal's in love with him nashville's always liked him um the flyers see him as a as a good fit but you know they, they might just be involved in it to maybe like you know Try well, to, yeah, I don't know if the Flyers can afford him, Mac. I mean, I they're gonna the they're gonna lose some right. salaries, and they're gonna have to rehire Brian Elliott, and Elliott's not gonna come in as cheap as he was. Let, let, uh, they're gonna have. Oh, some I've tried to, I mean, believe me, that's the same question. How are they gonna afford them? I don't let, know let's either. Say this. Let's say this. I don't think you're going to see Wayne Simmons or, or the equivalent of Wayne Simmons getting a one-year five million dollar. No, nothing close. No. You're, you're a player like that who's in his early 30s, who's looking for a restart, could go someplace for a year, but that cap hit, and remember, New Jersey did it to get to the cap floor. More than likely, that type of player at that spot in his career is getting a million and a half to two million bucks. Or that they, thing was, I, mean, I mean, the Devils gave Wayne, Wayne Simmons a a retirement gift they did. You're looking at like Jason, what Jason Spezza did last year, like you know where a player comes in yeah. and like takes as takes as, takes a little bit because he really he's already made his money and he wants to play there. That's, actually, that's what you're going to see, I think, and you're going to see more. I think you will see more of that because you have guys who've made money and you have guys now, and also if they're from an area too, yeah. um, you know, with the I, pandemic going on, with maybe they have maybe they have parents that are in that area. There's a benefit to going. I'm going to go play in Toronto right. because you know I want to take care of people. I, I wrote about I wrote about this yesterday about the stars. Corey Perry gets bought out by Anaheim. Sucker yeah. gets bought out by Edmonton. Yeah. They both yeah. took one year, one point five million dollar contracts yeah. with bonuses. Yeah, 
they won't those players won't get a million and a half they'll probably get a million this year but the 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 thought process is the same. Let's go to a team that we think can win. Let's go to a place where it's not unpleasant to live or someplace that's home. Right. Or a home where you can raise your kids or, and, or you have a good friend on the team. Like there's certain things that are definitely out there, you know, um, that are, that are factors right now. And, um, you know, and along those lines, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, who again, whose name comes up again today because, when I started this, you know, about about a month and a half ago, I was like, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau rumors all the time, all the time. And so every year, you know, got Johnny Gaudreau. Now I'm talking to people in Calgary. I talked to somebody in Calgary, like one of my top guys in Calgary who I've been dealing with for years and who is just really dead on, flat out told me they have to trade Johnny Gaudreau, which I was yeah, like. Yeah, okay, I, and that's I, fair. I mean, saying you have to trade Johnny Gaudreau. Right. I, 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 would, I didn't, So they know I, they can't I, sign him. different levels of things, you know. Having to trade a guy, that's like. Well, they know they can't sign him. I think well, that's why. And it's ironic that Jeff Ward, who was interviewed on on uh, on Fan Five Ninety yesterday, when asked about Goudreau, he says, and he was basically effusive in his praise of him, yeah. say, saying that you know, you know, the, the the there's a misunderstanding out there about him sort of being low key and his effort isn't yeah. the greatest and this and that. I mean, which is could be very true. True. It also could be them trying to uh, knock down some of these, this chatter so they can get more in a trade for him. So, I mean, it's beyond Ward, you know, to a degree, like, I think that's, I think at this point, you know, I think Ward is going to Ward, Ward knows that um, Gaudreau is a pop popularity, a certain popularity among the, uh, among the team, his teammates and stuff like that. And, uh, and he's going to say good things about Gaudreau. And I'm not saying you shouldn't say good things about Gaudreau, but he is, I think this goes beyond. This is more. This is way more of an organizational top, uh, top down thing. Break, breaking news, and then we should talk about the uh, the game last yep. night. Uh, Elliot Friedman reporting. Um, it's confirmed that Bill Armstrong, the I believe the younger brother of Doug Armstrong, yep. the GM of uh, St. Louis, yep. who's assistant GM, is the new GM of the Arizona Coyotes. That's awesome. Like I've interviewed Bill. Yeah, you like a bunch Bill. Of times yeah. he's such a good guy. There was one time where. We were interviewing him, and he even told us ahead of time, he goes, look, I'm going through the airport scanner. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So we interview him. He talks about two players. He went through the scanner. He goes, look, should I shut it off? I'll call you back. And we're like, no, just leave it on, and we'll wait for you. He left it on. The minute he got through the scanner, he picked up the phone, and he <laughs> continued his spot. Now, we were taping. We weren't live. But yeah. it was just, it's amazing that he would will, was willing to do that while yeah. he was going somewhere else to scout, but that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. No, and it, it, and it's smart. It's been a while since we've had, but since we've had brother GMs right in the league too. That's not yeah. But, but I guess, I guess the Murray's right. Really got his work cut out. Tim, Tim, Tim was Brian Murray's nephew. Nephew. Right. Not brother. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Bob Murray is, is how how's Bob Murray related to all that stuff. Uh, I don't think he is related. He's not, he's not related to the other Murray's Terry Murray, Brian Murray, Tim Murray. Okay. They're all part of the same family. Yeah. And Bob Murray's a different Bob family. Anyway, um, yeah, so no, so let, let's let's get into the games though. Last night, and I'm really happy. I mean, and obviously, this is another Bill. You know, we've had we had Bill Guerin, Bill Zito, Bill Armstrong. <laughs> How a Bill becomes a GM is like was, was my would be my blog title if I was writing about this. Bill Torrey. We've really seen like you know a, a run on. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, let's move on to um, to the game last night and Russ and you know I know we we called it. Um, it was just I, I should have said it because every time I've guaranteed it, it's been true. But I couldn't guarantee it. I was like not there. But they put me on the spot on series too. I did my weekly spot yeah. and I said the Islanders were going to win. Like I I, mean, I just felt it. 
I just felt like Trotz wasn't going to go down like that. It doesn't yeah. mean they're going to win the next game, but I, you knew you were going to get a good effort. You did. And you knew with point not there that it would put a lot of pressure on Kucherov. And to be honest, he wilted like Kucherov is now, I mean, basically Varlamov is in Kucherov's head now because he, I've never seen him blow up on the bench that many times, almost at a referee for a goal that never even was close to happening. went off the side of the net. He lost it yesterday. How about though? I mean, what about the fact that he played more minutes in the third period than Hedman? Well, because they was trying desperately to get him started. And the more he failed, the worse the frustration got. He was yeah, completely was kind of, frustrated. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It, I mean, he, and you know, there were some, there were some, there were some post hit. You know, the Islanders played hard. I thought the Islanders. You know, again, this this series has been tighter than it looks, and it it could be very different right now. It's three two. It could easily be three two. The Islanders the other way. Very. Oh, any way, any way that you can win is 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 good. But I'll tell you, I mean, as a, as a fan watching that game. It was watching paint dry. It was a it was a, a boring, uh, meth- just methodical type of game. And you know, like I said, if, if if the Islanders need to play that way two more games to win the series, then they'll do it. And then if it works, that's great. But as just somebody who was looking for an entertaining game, I mean, the only entertainment there was the suspense of who was going to win. But really, it was just not. It was not a great game per se. Yeah, it didn't have the same like pizzazz as like the uh, Columbus Tampa overtime game earlier in the year, or earlier in, in the playoffs. You know, because the first overtime was like you said, it was like it was really kind of devoid of chances in a weird way. Like for an overtime, you know, you expect them. The Islanders were playing harder because they they've obviously they both were playing it kind of safe. They yeah, really they were. were. And and I mean, and, and throughout the whole game, I mean, like you're saying, Mike, like there was like what twenty five total shots after the second period or something like that. It's like ridiculousness. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> And Russ, the the realization the realization is here that without Braden Point in the lineup, and and you can say this about any team because if they lose their top two centers and Stamkos and Point, that they're not going to be the same offensive club that they that they were right. with right. them. But Tampa basically is playing a Barry Trotz type of shutdown right. defensive game with Sorelli as their number one center and everybody else moving up. You know, Gord is the number two, Carter Verhage. I mean, they're, they they don't have – I mean, Kucherov can be isolated by the Islanders without point there, and it's tough for them to score goals. Right, and now when point comes back, and he will, you know what? They're going to they're gonna just key on point, and hopefully they can do a better job on that. But the other thing is Trotz finally figured it out with the 7D. That was the way to go with this team. And I got to tell you now, this series is still close. I can't tell you definitively Tampa is going to close it out now because Cooper even looked a little worried in that game. This was like – because, again, we got to remember, Tampa stole one of these games. They absolutely stole it when the Islanders completely outplayed them. So it wouldn't shock me now if we just go with strict hockey gods – that well, all of a sudden the Islanders get a break in the game because the Islanders really haven't gotten a break in this series yet. No, a you, don't, you, don't think, you don't think Dallas felt the same way, right? They wanted to close it out. You have a right. shot to close a team out. Yeah. You never want to give a team life. Right. The fourth win is always the hardest win. I'll disagree with Mike, though. I actually thought it was a pretty compelling game to watch. I thought there were some chances. You had Martin on the, on the sh- in front when when Vasilevsky made a great save. Well, he ignores I mean, Matt Martin, so well, you that, he's, the, he's the he's the catalyst. Yes, for I, Matt, yes. Just because you misused him in in Toronto, that's on your coach. We get it. Move, 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 move along, please. Just move along, please. Not as good as Buck. Look, I, I thought. Look, the Islanders has been a close series the whole time, and and I look, you want to you want to close a team out, you want to eliminate a team because first of all, 
anytime you have to play another game and you start getting the beaten and bruised, right? You're having a Dallas team that's now getting an opportunity to rest and to come into that next round a bit more refreshed than you are. And you you want it again, you said Tampa stole a game, right? The Islanders have, have kept gone toe to toe with them and actually probably had more chances than they've had at times in terms of the games that we've seen so far. So look, if, if Coin plays, granted it helps their lineup tremendously, moves everybody else down a little bit. Gives them the opportunity to get freed up a little bit. Kucherov is clearly squeezing the stick a bit hard. He can't believe he's missing some of these opportunities. But the problem is the rest of the team really hasn't generated in order to mount either. Sorelli is misplaced as a top-line center. He's a good two, number two. He's not a top-line center. Yeah, he's not a guy with the spotlight on him. He had the spotlight on him yesterday. He could have closed out the series, and he couldn't do it. Well, yeah. But again, that's, but that's why Cooper's upset, right? You yeah. have a chance to close out a series. You lose, of course you're going to be pissed off. Now you have to basically go through the same rigmarole to get up for another game against a team that you know is going to try to impose their will and play a physical style of play against you, Against also with your number one center returning, who they've targeted this whole series, not illegally, but it'll hit him every single time he touches the puck. They're going to hit, and they're going to hit him, and they're going to keep hitting him until, the, until, until he breaks, which is what happened the other day. And if you think the if if you think them beating the Islanders is a fait accompli for for uh, the, the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, you tell me Rick bonuses and taking notes here about what the what they have to do to beat the Lightning. They will go at they will go after point, you know Corey Perry, uh, Jan Mark, the some of the, the big forwards for Dallas will lay the body on point every time he touches. Oh, they're, them. Yeah, they're they're gonna the Islanders are gonna do it too. They creamed them early on in the game last game, but I do wonder. Cal Clutterbuck's really hurt, guys. Like he, yeah, yeah, he looks. Yeah, this so is a guy. Boy, huh? checked, every time he turned around, something was happening. Boy, yeah, he with a shot in the stomach. I he know. Walker shot his skate blade blew up. I mean, he's he's. Boy, had, had a fairly good game in the, in the role he played. Is banged up. There's no question. Clutterbuck is banged and up. I feel bad. I feel bad. This guy. If you want to talk about a guy who is giving it all in the bubble, yeah. it is Cal Clutterbuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's no question about it. And, um, you know, and the, the, the other thing about Tampa is this is a team that last year was up 3-2 in the conference finals, right? And uh, to Boston, remember. And um, wasn't it, was it last, um, when am I think, when am, was it two years ago? They've been up 3-2 two, two other times in series and they've lost it. They've, they've right. lost less Boston, years. No, for sure. Was it the, I'll tell you in a second. Hold on, because I had a guy who's basically Facebook messaged me this yesterday. The one who's paranoid that if the Islanders win, he's going to have to move out of Nassau County because he's a Ranger fan. So <laughs> this, this is the type of messages that I'm getting. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, that Pittsburgh three games to two in 2016 and lost. Yeah, the Capitals three games to two in 2018 and lost in seven games. And now they're up. Obviously, this series three games to okay. one and, and lost game five. Yeah, is Doc Rivers their coach? Oh, stop. Yeah, you want to talk about a guy who's overpaid based upon what his teams have underachieved lately? I know, but he's a prime candidate number one. Leave the Clippers. The Clippers have their own issues. Leave them out. I'm going to give Marlon up full props for the slide, guys, at the end, by the way. Oh, absolutely. That was amazing. That's the kind of thing that's like a heart moment. Yeah, and I think that showed the tension had been relieved in him. Like, I think he was kind of tense maybe at his play the game before. He played a great game in that game, and I think now he's going to be loose. I think you're yeah. seeing – I think I think you will see the best of Rolamov in this next game. I think you will too, and and he hasn't been the greatest throughout the playoffs, but, you know, th this is when you're going to see it, I think. I didn't know they had a slip and slide in Edmonton. Yeah, he was amazing. I mean, he was amazing. And, you know, and he, he's also going to – you know, obviously he's going against Vasilevsky. He's going against Kucherov. He's going against, you know – he knows he's up against it. I mean, there's two of the best players, you know, two of the best Russian players in the world right there. 
Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty amazing, that's a pretty amazing thing to watch. I, I, um, I think that there's definitely some nervousness on Tampa. I mean, like those, yeah. those series before, um, they have at times looked like they have it all together. And then, you know, they, they, the thing about them that they've been good at, they've been very resilient. Now, what I didn't like about Cooper's coaching yesterday, and I'll call him out on this is, is what you started with Russ, which is that when these guys are injured, he's moving guys up. I hate that. I yeah. Hate that. I hate I hate breaking up lines that were working. Like you know, like I agree. keep especially in at this point in the game. Like keep lines together. If you've got if you got two lines that are that are still together and healthy, play those two lines together. But the problem is that when you lose your number one center, you can't you can't keep Gord Coleman and Goudreau and Sorelli on the second line together because what are you going to do? Put a fourth line guy in between Palat and Kucherov? You can't do it. Well, why can't you put Johnson there? You know, that's what I would do. He's I mean, not, Johnson's filled in that spot before, and and it's a, I did I, they did that at points in the third period, but I don't because they don't, they don't think it was Sorelli was working there. But I don't know. I mean, I, I would definitely I, put Johnson there because he's got experience. He's not going to mess. He's he's going to he's going to set those guys up. He knows his role in that spot, and and you have the second line which is going so well. Don't screw with it. I mean, just like you know, it just it just puts too much weight on your first line. Kucherov should be able to should be able to deal without you know he should be able to do something without you know those two centers obviously they're two great centers but come on now um just well, i gotta mention something mike real quick i when i posted yesterday on facebook my article about um bonus um alpo suinen commented and he used he was the um the coach of the chicago blackhawks one of the first european coaches in the nhl and he talked about how he and bonus were early winnipeg jets coach and he even talked about earlier than that when suinen went to coach moncton when Bonus, I think, was an assistant with Winnipeg and then eventually got the job there in 1989. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, Bonus, literally, the only reason he wouldn't be the coach again is he just, he, he, you know, this is like, he's too old. He doesn't want to be a head coach. But I 1989, this was an, a, an amazing post from, like, a, a cool coach, like a lifetime coach. Yeah, and I mean, I'm like, wow. This was such a long time. It's like, somebody, yeah. somebody was joking that basically Rick Bonus – has been an assistant coach long enough that he's probably coached half the players in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really incredible. <laughs> um, just touching on something that you wrote about Ak, Ak in your uh, in your blog today, and it ties in with what uh, we missed talking about yesterday, which was sort of a post mortem on Vegas. Is is the flurry situation? Um, I mean, that's one thing. We'll talk about that in a second. But if, you, if just if you look at Vegas right now and what the, now what they have to do going into next season. I mean, they've got a sort of a stopgap situation on their defense. They added Martinez and he's got another year left. But if you look at the bottom half of their of their blue line, I mean, White Cloud, I think, is a good young defenseman. Shouldn't be, you know, marginalized because of the, you know, the, the play that uh, ended it's up. It was just a play. It was just a play. But, you know, England's gonna re probably retire. Nick Holden, Russ knows how Nick Holden how average he is from his yeah, days with yeah. the Rangers. And Braden McNabb is maybe a bottom pairing guy. They really need a defenseman or two. They do need another linchpin defenseman. Right, and there is talk that if Petrangelo goes to market, that they, they would be one of the teams that would be there. But I, again, I don't know where they get the cap space, uh, especially since if they trade Flurry and they re-sign Leonard. You know they're probably gonna have to retain a couple million dollars on Flurry to, to move him because I don't think anybody's gonna take him at seven million bucks. But why not just give Nick Hague a chance? I mean he's big and he's well, physical. I, I yeah, I mean you know they could go that route too. But 
they they will be looking for another defenseman for sure. No matter they're, what, they're gonna they're gonna hold money back. I've, I've been I've been told that they're gonna when they move Flurry, they're gonna keep that money back. Um, and they're gonna move him. I um, mean, they have to move him. There's like no. Yeah, there's no reason to keep him now. I, I mean, mean it, it, I still think that they screwed. I think they screwed up by not giving him a couple couple more games there in the last year. I mean, do they do they move Paul Stastny out at six point five million? Let Cody Cody Glass play if and, somebody were interested. But Paul Stastny's so slow at this point. I don't think he can. He's still great on faceoffs and he does good things on the ice, but he really is slow. I don't think anybody's touching it. Yeah. He is. I agree. I agree. I think that's a tough spot for them to be in. I do. I don't think they can. I don't think they can move him. Um, but I, 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 I honestly don't. I think if Flurry is a five million dollar goalie, somebody would be interested at seven. So here, here's the better question, though, and yeah. the question we haven't answered yet: Why okay. is Vegas not getting to that next level again? What is lacking? Yeah, it, it's. It's crazy, and it's crazy that you even like that we're even saying it, right? Because it's only been in existence for three years, still. It's still kind of surprising. You have to say that this team is a completely different team from the the team that made the Cup final uh, in in twenty eight and twenty. Oh, three games have been different. Like last year was a different team. I mean, you're right. I mean, this is more of like a this is a front running team. This is a team loaded with talent. Yeah, right. So that's right. why you have to ask the question this year, right? Year one was a fun story and not, and an underdog story that nobody expected him to happen. Right. After all the trades they made, getting Stone, getting Pacioretty, moving out assets in terms of prospects to go ahead and get these guys, right. they were they were supposed. This was the year everybody expected them to take that next step, and everything seemed to be set up for them to take that next step. Yeah, it's what, really interesting. What was what was the what was the, uh, the main the main trait of that Vegas team uh, that made the Cup final? They were they were one of the fastest teams in the league. They played faster than anybody in the league. That, and they that, also had work guys. Well, yeah, they yeah. had Gerard Gallant as a coach. That right. was a big deal. And, and then Mark Andre Fleury was and he made them work their asses off. He did. Fleury, Fleury in the playoffs, especially, was incredible. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Gallant way is what got them there, right? Because they were just a group of guys. I mean, they had good players, but they were a group of players that never played together. And the coach did a great job. There's no and question about it. And I have to say that they're a slower team now, but you've got bigger veteran guys like Stone and Pacioretty who are not Blazers. I think you do you do have some speed on this team. You know, guys like Carlson and Tucks for big guys is a speedy is a speedy player. But they're a, they're a different type of team. And I you know I mean I, Russ, I do think that they had to start infusing some of those prospects that they drafted, like Glass, like Haig. Uh, to bring in some and bring in some cheaper talent because I mean that's the problem because they're now a team that instead of being the hey we're moving in the right direction because we're an expansion team we're a contending Stanley Stanley Cup team and it's they're not able to utilize all of their talent matter of fact they're utilizing most of the older ones like White Cloud and stuff and that that could be a slippery slope in a few years because if they right. when they start to slip if they don't have these guys to to rely on then they're going to start hitting the basement. So we'll see. Michael Cohen also asked, is David Quinn safe? He's safe. Yeah, David Quinn's definitely safe. Um, um, I got a final little thing that's kind of fun here. Um, okay. and I wanted to get into it. So I saw this on Reddit, and I, just, I thought it was really, really – this is the kind of thing that I like. I, I know you guys – some of you might like or may not like it. But um, so with Dallas uh, Dallas officially in the final, and you have Dallas, and you have the Islanders and Tampa. So those are the three final teams. There's a streak here that goes back to 1980 that's being kept complete. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. But now, since 1980, this will be the 40th consecutive Stanley Cup final with somebody playing in it who played on a team and was teammates with Yarmer Yager. <laughs> it's a good crazy. It's a, just that's an absolute, 
absolutely insane stat, right? So like, I like that because what you have right now is you have um, you know, you have this, you know, you have right now um, was Kadobin his teammate in Boston? No, say again, say again, yeah, say again, yeah, say again. Um, Braden Coburn in Philly, right, right, and Andy Green, um, yeah. with sure. so three sure. of them, right. This goes back. It's a crazy list. Like so. I'm going to go through it real fast, just super fast. So the first four years are Trache because obviously he played in Pittsburgh, right? Then you have, then you have uh, four years of Messier. Right. <laughs> then, and then, then Yuri Redina, then Messier, then you have Yager himself in 91 and 92. Um, so all those guys played with Yager, obviously. because <laughs> they're right. Then 93 is JJ Daniel. Then you go back to Messier in 94. Um, then Chorsky, Scott Young, Doug Brown, Doug Brown, Benoit Hogue, Scott Gomez, Chris Drury, Brendan Shanahan, Jay Pandolfo, Pavel Kabina. Now up to 2006, Mark Recchi, Sean Thornton, Andreas Lilia, um, Peter Sikora, Chris Versteeg, Mark Recchi again, Willie Mitchell, Dan Carcillo, Willie Mitchell, Chris Versteeg, Matt Cullen, Matt Cullen, Alex Chason, and finally last year, Braden Shen. So there you have it. That's pretty the good. We might be able to do that with Mike Sillinger too. I mean, we just never tried. Yeah, that's true. But well, I mean, Yager, it's just fast. So that's 40 years of 40 years of Stanley Cup finals with somebody who played with Yarmer Yager. And he's still playing. <laughs> there you have it, right? So I don't know. I like that one. Um, oh, here's right. a good one from Funky. Since 1980, Mike has owned a gray shirt or sweater. That's probably true. <laughs> I'm going pre-1980. This is blue. It's blue. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look blue. <laughs> you know, you know, color by Mike. Huh? You are you colorblind or do you see colors? Oh, this is blue. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> it does. It looks gray to me. It's, it's gray. But I don't see colors. I don't, I I I have a tough time with colors. You know, blue. It I might have been blue twenty years ago, but in the wash, it's turned gray. <laughs> It's no, a bluish gray. Shirt is only about six months old. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, that's all we have for today, guys. Uh, no game tonight, obviously. Enjoy your evening off. Um, I know I won't. Remember, without the bug, <laughs> just hockey. You have your family, Eck. I know, but you know, I, I'm I'm sad the hockey's coming to an end. Without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll talk.